Hey, it's Ian Furness for Aurora LASIK and Dr. J. Rudd. For about 15 years, I have had to use reading glasses for everything, reading text, looking at my phone, script writing, whatever it was. I had to use reading glasses, but no more. I had refractive lens exchange at Aurora LASIK with Dr. J. Rudd. It's life-changing. I wish I would have done this years ago. You can check it out as well. Go to auroralasik.com. That's auroralasik.com. Dr. J. Rudd and his staff are sensational. No more readers. Get your consultation scheduled today. That's auroralasik.com. This is the Ian Furness Show. In three innings, gave up four earned runs in a start against the Blue Jays. That was Saturday. In to try to close it on a Tuesday. Alvarez launches deep right field. And this one is gone. And the Astros walk him off in game one. Jordan Alvarez. Are you kidding me? Text us at 49451 and hit the talkback mic on the iHeartRadio app. What's up, all the Seattle Mariners fans? Just wanted to jump on here and tell you guys, keep your heads high. You guys played an outstanding game in Houston against arguably the best pitcher other than Castillo and Justin Verlander. He's had a competitive game all the way down to the last out. Obviously, a few questionable decisions were made. You know, they didn't come out with the victory, but the series is still young. There's so much baseball left to be played. Castillo is on the mound on Thursday, the ace, and I'll be in Seattle Thursday, and I'll be at the game on Saturday, game three, in Seattle. So let's make sure we get loud for this team for the whole rest of the series, and let's make sure they pull out the victory. This is the new Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. My God, a voice of reason is, is Nikki Scarlotta. I know, right? That's our voice of reason, <laughs> highlight courtesy of TBS TNT. Why did it take so long for that home run call? It's like, and it's gone. It was gone the second it you hit the bat. It, it was just yeah. gone. What an absolute kick of the groin. All right, you know what? We're going to try to make it better. We'll try to. I need someone. I need two guys. I need them to help me. I got our Molly Wap guys on standby. They are waiting right now. We've got uh, Mike Holmgren at 2 o'clock. Palazzolo is going to tell us how bad the Seahawks defense has been this year compared to last year. And also, from a pro football focus standpoint, also, how good is Geno Smith? The answer is good. Hey, the answer is really good. Like, really good. That should make you feel better. All right, all that coming up. Uh, Molly Wap standing by, but first. Headlines. Now, from the Star Rental Sports Desk, your 93.3 KJRFM Sports Headlines. Brought to you by Venue Kings, VenueKings.com, Mariner tickets for the playoffs. Of course, VenueKings.com, your best bet. People say, where can I get tickets for Nest? Do you have a line on tickets? No. VenueKings.com does, though. VenueKings.com. Mariners and Astros tomorrow, game two, 1237. Luis Castillo is going to try to right the ship for Seattle. Also, on Saturday, we know this. It'll be George Kirby. No surprise there. That's why it was Robbie Ray pitching yesterday in the gong show that you all know what happened in. Okay? Uh, There you go. Uh, If there is a game for on Sunday, as we kind of hinted at yesterday, what did I tell you guys? It's going to be after 1 o'clock? Later, yes. Hmm, That's weird. It will be. 2.30, actually. be exact. uh, 2.30 Pacific time. If there is a game for, that's when the Seahawks game will start. It has to do with the window for NBC. It's exclusive rights. They pay for that. So they had really not much of a choice. They want to stagger the starts. That way they can get people in and out, ingress, regress, all that fun stuff, as they say in the traffic world. So that's why it's going to be at 2.30. Okay. Uh, Kraken tonight. They get going, taking on Anaheim. The Ducks and an Orange County, California. Uh, We'll talk more about that. 145, quick little hit on our daily power plays. The Kraken start the season. We had a couple games last night in the NHL, but things go full board tonight with our team in its second year. It should be better, too. It should be a lot better. Are they 15 wins better? That's what it would take to get to the postseason. 
we'll find out. We'll talk to Tomlinson. Revisit that coming up at about 145. Holmgren at 2. But, guys, it is time to Molly Wap. It's time to Molly Wap. Here's the 1-2. In the air right center field. That is deep, and that is down. Into the gap it goes. This is going to play two runs, and Rodriguez styling his way into second base. It's a two-RBI double, and the Mariners lead 3-0 in the second inning. Uncensored, unscripted, and filled with the passion that all Mariners fans can relate to. Another one-two, back up the middle of the base hit. Rodriguez around third, he'll score easily. And it is an RBI single for Ty France, and look at the Mariners. On the road in game one, they lead 4-0. And brought to you by the company that's all about Seattle sports. Simply Seattle. Visit simplyseattle.com for the best Mariners gear. Verlander delivers, and that one is high and deep to right. And J.P. Crawford flexes his muscles. That one is way gone. Crawford launches. And makes it 5-2 to two, Seattle. Now with the Mollywop boys, Nathan Bishop from Dome in Bedlam and Chris Crawford with NBC Sports Edge. And the 1-2 pitch. And a swing and a line drive up the middle base hit. Pena delivers a two-out single up the middle. And the Astros have two on with two away. And their big thumper coming up. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see this decision now. you got a starter down there warming up in the pen, lefty. The B.A., he's doing it. He is bringing in Robbie Ray. Alvarez launches deep right field. And this one is gone. And the Astros walk him off in game one. Jordan Alvarez. Are you kidding me? Here's Ian Furness. All right, with that, it's an emergency session. This is why we mollywop. It's an emergency session. We, we mentioned this the other day. There would be a time and a place we'd have to have it. A, a, I was hoping an emergency session after a sweep or something like that. But this is, this is truly sitting down and, uh, you know, 20 hours later having an emergency mollywop session brought to you by Simply Sale, simplysale.com. KJR15 to check out. They've got a ton of great Mariners gear. It, it, you know, a home game on Saturday, hopefully more than one this weekend. After what happened yesterday, Nathan Bishop, Chris Crawford are here, the Molly Wap guys. I think it's good, fellas, that first of all, I have company. Second of all, <laughs> and, and probably all three of us. Uh, second of all, I think it's good we, we could take up some time. And it's, you know, it's 20 hours or so later after what happened yesterday. Um, I think we would all agree, unlike, you know, what, uh, you know, insiders and, and baseball uh, fan guy telling you how to fan will tell you. This isn't just one game because last I checked, it's the best of five series. It was a significant setback to their playoff run yesterday. That's, you know, I, I did have to chuckle yep. when I heard Scott Service say after the game last night, well, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. No, 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 Scott, it's a best of five. You've got to win three or four. Like at best, you have four games left at best, and you have to win three of them to keep going. So it's not early. It's not, there's a reason everyone is upset and should be upset. But, Let's take a deep breath, take a step back. And what I want is just what your emotion is last night and then to today, and then we'll play the blame game after that. Nathan, go ahead. I mean, it just the, – yeah, the, the, the comp that I've heard has been the one like Super Bowl forty nine. and at first I just rolled my eyes and said that's ridiculous. But then the more that I thought about it, thinking about how – that NFC championship game against the Packers felt like the ultimate high, just the ultimate rush of 
high leverage sports fandom. And then correlating that to the game we just had last Saturday against the Blue Jays down eight to one, this epic comeback that just feels like we're riding on the ultimate. This is why we're fans of the sport, right? And then to just have that flipped completely 180 degrees, uh, in the very next game. I mean, it is like, it's, it's, Thankfully, it didn't end their season, like you already said, Ian. But emotionally, it was just I, I, I didn't even scream. I just put my head down when that ball got hit and just kind of mumbled a couple curse words to myself because it just the second he hit it, you, it was such a bomb, and it was just the culmination. And we'll talk about what led to that point. But there were you could see this coming for three innings. It was a slow motion car crash of nobody having their best stuff. And it just culminated in the worst possible moment. It was awful. It's awful. And thank God we get, like you said, we get to wake up and have another game, but man, I, I have not been doing great in the last 20 hours. I don't, or so. I don't think any Mariner fan has been uh, Chris thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I echo everything Nathan just said. I mean, Look, Scott Service has to have that attitude. I do not have to have that attitude. I am not going to play a baseball game. I am not <laughs> taking it as a one game at a time. That hurt. I mean, that really hurt. That was probably, whether it's a fair comparison to Super Bowl Forty Nine, which my therapist has taught me didn't actually happen. It can't hurt you. <laughs> uh, that was as bad as I felt as a Seattle sports fan was watching this game. And, you know, some a part of me was like, oh, you know what? It's good to hurt again. And a part of me was like, you know what? It actually was kind of fun when they were going 85 and 77 and not making the playoffs. Some of that, some of that, because <laughs> my grandma mentioned that as well. She was like, Chris, it was more fun when we could just watch this and I could just watch the news afterwards and go to bed. It was, you know, this is, this hurts, man. Whether, whether you think that the series is over, whether you think that this is just one game, there is no denying that this is one of the biggest kicks in the you know what's as a Seattle sports fan in quite some time. I think it's fair, and we can dissect it now and uh, and look back because yeah, is, I think Nathan has a great point. Like it, it did feel like God. I, Suarez hits the home run, you're up four. You have a four run lead again, and, yep. and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what? Okay, that that might just do it. I mean, two four run leads with that bullpen should be yeah. as as safe and secure as possible. But there are days when nobody has it. Um, I I want to I want to start at the end, and then we'll work back because I do want to get to Gilbert. At some point, 84 pitches, and I just the overthinking and the whatever we're doing in baseball these days is just it is. I think it's worth second guessing. I think that is a second guessing. I think we can question that move. Um, but because you, but again, it's 2020, you don't know your bullpen's going to be not having it that day. Yeah, let me let me just start with, and I, I do laugh when you guys said you put your head down. I, I was standing in the Fox 13, we're in the sports office waiting, and they say, you know, as soon as the game's in, pop, pop back up. We'll put you on. We'll throw the highlights. I already had, we had the highlights all done. Oh. I had the script written. We're all ready to go. And I, you know, I'm, I'm standing there and he hits it. And I was the same way. As soon as he swung, I just started walking to the studio. I knew it was, yeah. I mean, it didn't even have to watch it go out. You just knew it on television. And, and, uh, and it was one of those, and I'm like, wow, I can't wait. I, uh, we'll toss it to Alyssa. How are things down there? Um, but, uh, I'm glad it's you and not me this time. Usually it's me in a Seahawk locker room. So uh, the, um, sure. But but let me let me go with this and and I think this is the key. Robbie Ray, there is a lot of questions about him even being on the this roster for this series after what happened in Toronto and down the stretch. Sure. Whether it's a guy that has never closed a game in his career coming in in that situation and it's hard to make that argument because Kirby just did it the other day, right? Like I mean it's it's stuff happens in the playoffs it's different, but 
the the sample of work for Robbie Ray is far deeper. Like he's been in the in baseball in Major League Baseball for a long time. Mm-hmm. I I and this was not a decision made by one guy because Service talked about it afterwards that they you know we had discussed this possibility. And I'm thinking to myself, at what point? Like, are we so in love with Robbie Ray that we're just going to go down this road and put him in that situation when you have other guys in there? I, I, I just, I, whether, whether it was Seawall's got the first two outs, maybe he doesn't have his best stuff, but let's just ride it and see what happens. He needs one more out, whether it's that, which I still think might have been an option as bad as he might have been. He had two outs. Or I just don't understand, Nathan, the decision to go to Robbie Ray. Hell, I don't understand the decision if you're going to start Robbie Ray in this series, which I don't think they will. Well, they're certainly not going to now. And I think that Chris and I just talked on Monday about how we would have been okay with Robbie Ray starting in game three. And and obviously that's not going to happen at this point. Uh, At the time that the decision was made, I I understood it. Um, Nobody that that service went to in that game as a reliever had good stuff. Munoz gave up a bomb to Alex Bregman. Matt Brash was all over the place. Paul Seawald missed a 3-2 pitch to the number nine hitter by three feet and then couldn't put away Jeremy Pena with two strikes because he couldn't hit his spot with a slider on the outside corner. I get the idea of making the pitchy change there. Um, I would love to know more detail about why specifically Robbie Ray was set there, where Eric Swanson is, why Matt Boyd is even on this roster if we're not going to go to one of those two guys in that situation, which isn't me saying that I think this is an indefensible decision. But if we're going to make a decision that is so outside the box, as a fan, I want to understand why. And I still don't understand why that choice was made. Because you're right, dropping Robbie Ray, there's not a lot of history of him being asked to pitch in that kind of a situation. And that matchup is a brutal matchup, which Chris could talk more about why Jordan Alvarez as a lefty-lefty matchup is is not the typical matchup, right, Chris? No, it's not even close. It's like Jordan Alvarez hit 321 with an OPS over 1,000 against left-handed pitching. This is not some platoon bat this is not paul flipping sorrento that you're going to get a lefty for this is honestly and i'm sorry nathan if you if you weren't done i'm sorry to cut you off with this stuff but like one of the worst decisions i've ever seen a manager make it is not just the fact that you're bringing in a guy robbie ray is not randy johnson obviously but he's not a guy who throws 97 and has this slider that like nobody can hit he relies on missing bats by kind of not finesse, but he's not overpowering guys. This is not somebody, and you saw it. He threw two middle, middle fastballs. And I have to question that too. Who's calling those yep. pitches? Because if Cal Raleigh called those pitches, big dumper, I love you. Holy crap. What a mistake that was. Because those are middle, middle offerings that anybody could have hit. And this is not, this is why I was skeptical about the decision for the beginning because Robbie Ray is not going to pump 99 and then throw this just 80 grade fastball down below Jordan Alvarez's feet. That is just not how Robbie Ray operates. It's not anymore. Anyway, it was putting, I think what Scott service has done better than any manager uh, that I have seen for the Seattle Mariners. And that includes slew. He has put people in position to succeed. He did not put Robbie Ray in a position to succeed in that game. And I totally agree. And I'm sorry. And I totally agree with everything that you just said, Chris. And that's why I want to understand more. It was so out of character to make that kind of choice right there. And to echo what Chris just said, this is a team that is 37 games above 500 in one run game since 2018. Like Scott Service has a consistent track record of making good high leverage decisions to get the most out of the talent. This is not 
one of the most talented teams in baseball this year, and he has gotten every bit of talent out of it that he could. So what what happened here? If it's just a mistake, that's fine. Everybody has a bad day. But I, I'm, I would really love to know more information about exactly why such an outside-the-box choice was made. And well, I don't know if we'll ever find out. Uh, Nathan Bishop, Chris Crawford, brought to you by Simply Seattle, simplyseattle.com, uh, KJR15 at the checkout. You know, Puckett brought this up yesterday and, and on his show, and I think it's worth saying. I mean, there's a lot of group think you know, in terms of how the Mariners are covered, uh, to sure. be honest with you. I mean, there's like basically two two reporters, sort of, one on, maybe one, uh, and Divish is the only one. He can't ask every question, frankly. I mean, really, it, other ones are team employees or MLB employees, and everyone else is just kind of in and out sometimes. And the question that Puck wanted to ask, asked, and I think this is what we all wanted to ask, is the roster makeup for the ALDS, and it was never asked to, to service, or I don't think Depoto was even available. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's, you know, why is Boyd on the roster then, right? You know, yeah. like what, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different questions to ask, you know, and if, you know, Ray was probably slated maybe to pitch game three, I, who knows, whatever was going to happen. But, you know, I, and, and whatever Scott, let me just preface this too. Whatever Scott Service says today, he's had 24 hours to come up with his alibi. So sure. I, yep. I really, frankly, won't buy anything that's said today down in Houston. I, I just, yeah. I won't. Whatever is sure. said, what, you know, you know, hey, uh, uh, whether it's Logan Gilbert needed to come out or whatever is said today, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. Sure. So I want to go to Gilbert for a second okay. because I think what you guys said is 100% accurate is the fact that Scott Service has made some great decisions. He's been a hell of a manager. Should be the manager of the year in the American League, and there should be I no agree. question about it. Shouldn't even be. Maybe he had a bad day as well. Can I can I second guess Chris Logan Gilbert coming out when he did? 80, uh, Eighty four pitches, one out. Like, can we not? Maybe I, I don't know. I just, I, I maybe I guess yeah. in, in the sense that okay, you've got a day off, and so you can empty your bullpen and come back and reset Thursday. I guess maybe that's the mindset. It's different than if you're playing back to back to back. Sure, I, I certainly wouldn't have him facing the top of the order again. But maybe if you can get him through the sixth, then you got Brash for the seventh. Munoz for the eighth. Munoz for the for the ninth, and that's exactly how they ended up doing it. But at the same time, man, yeah, I think it's worth at least looking into. I thought Gilbert pitched really well. Uh, too. There, there, there yeah. were there were a couple of issues, some hard contact that ended up being caught. That's that is Logan Gilbert. If you go yes. look at his baseball savant page, loads and loads of hard contact, but a lot of it is hard contact that's hit right at people. He is sure. willing to pitch to the defense. I don't have as big of an issue with that just because, one, first playoff start, you want to get him out with some success. Okay. And two, look, this bullpen is the reason why we're here for a lot of it. Like, that, that is something. But I think I might have looked, left him in for a little bit longer, and maybe you can have – maybe they have to avoid Paul Seawald for the rest of the series, yeah. man, because he looked – he looked really bad for two of the last three appearances that he made in the per, in the regular season, and he looked awful against Toronto, and he yeah. looked awful yesterday. Yeah. Like, zero command of his slider. Like, that pitch he made, Nathan brought it up, the pitch he made to Hensley on 3-2 is a non-competitive pitch. It is the thing where you say in your video game, something's broken with my remote control. There's no reason that pitch would land here. They, they they may not be able to use him in high leverage situations again. That, like that sucks. He's a big reason why they got there, and I love the guy. So that's but that that didn't work, Nathan. That's why we're here today. That's a bigger picture issue then, because if that if, if if that's the case, if you if you lose that piece of your bullpen, and I, I don't know where you go from here, because it's not doomsday. They have games left, but my goodness, if Chris is bang on and and he's usually knows what the hell he's talking about, yeah. that's. Eh, sometimes um, 
that's terrifying to think that you may yes. not have that. You might not have the real Paul Sewell. I, I think the bigger concern is, is exactly that. And I think it's why I could be a little bit more. I, I don't think generally I would have an issue with pulling Gilbert when they did, but this is something and it's not universal. Baseball doesn't deal in absolutes. We want to make this a, a series of zeros and ones. And it's, there's so much shade of gray and nuance and all of this. But if you look at the broader trend of the last month or so of the season, the Mariners were carried to the playoffs on their ability to prevent runs. And that ability has eroded over the past month, uh, in, in all ways. Um, their pitchers, their starters haven't been as sharp as they have been. Their bullpen aces haven't been as sharp as they have been. And that's just a concern, not only because now you're stuck, you know, with a lilting run prevention unit trying to beat the best team in the American League, but that's who you are. That's the entire idea is that you're going to go out there and strangle people by not giving up runs. And now all of a sudden we're saying, no, 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 no. You've got to score seven, eight runs a game in order to win. Well, that's not who this team is. Thank God they've been able to do it. And they were gifted by crushing Justin Verlander yesterday in a terrible start. But I just the broader sense is that to me, I I see a group of arms, many of whom have been taxed in ways they have never been taxed before. And it just looks like some of the key guys are running out of gas. And it makes sense why that would be the case. So yeah, 17 runs, 17 runs scored in the last two games, but also what would it be uh, a 16 given, given up, right? So, or 17. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, their, their situation is, is one right now that, They've now split two games in which they've given up runs like they haven't all season long is what Nathan's saying. And and sure. that that probably is I mean, it's great that you had seven hits from the top three guys in your order. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a there's a certain joy and there's gotta be some fun when you're a Mariner fan. You see, you know, you see Julio, you see that forty four. Yes. Uh, before we started this, we we're talking about how linebackers, when you see the back of their jersey and it's a bad thing, you know, making tackles. <laughs> yeah. When you see forty four it's a great thing because oh. watching him fly around the bases, the joy, the passion, the, so I mean, the energy he plays with, it just elevates everybody. Ty France, hit, welcome back. It's look at this real Ty France, three hits, yeah. three five. I mean, it's you look at what he's doing. Suarez has been just such a godsend. I mean, all yeah. these, there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful, but then you look at what they have Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, just Tucker, Guriel. Guriel, my goodness gracious. That guy just crushed us yesterday. Yeah, like, that was. They're just deeper. They're They're just, they're deeper. But, you know, we're, we're lamenting all of this and I'm lamenting the run prevention. And the magic is that they're down one nothing. And if there's one arm on this team that hasn't shown any slowdown, that's the guy that goes tomorrow. Right. It is. You go out there, you get seven shutdown innings from Luis Castillo. We're right back to one and one coming back here with the chance to close out in Seattle. And yet that is the lamenting part too, is that you just beat, you should have just beaten Justin Berlander. I'm trying to be happy, Chris. I I am trying to. Oh, and it could have been a clincher on Saturday. And I, you know what? I'm I'm selfishly mad because I'm going to be at the game on Saturday. I'm going to be sitting in a suite, and I am going to be furious if they win that game to go up two one and just hit a three zero. Because dang it, you I won't be. Hey, you won't be furious. No, I and, won't. And you're not a sweet person, so just you know, try to behave oh, yourself there, will yeah, you, please? Just try yeah, to behave well, yourself. You're not. Yeah, you, I, you, <laughs> that's not Ian you. is the is the talk to text line also the bail line? Uh, yeah, I believe there is. Uh, yeah, uh, just send send an email to uh, Dick Fain at iHeartMedia.com. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll be more than happy to come bail you out. Um, yeah. All right, well, fellas, um, let's just we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, it feels like the end of the world today as, as a Mariner fan, uh, but as you guys pointed out, it's not. Nathan, just a quick thought heading into Game Two tomorrow. 
Yeah, I, I tweeted out last night that yesterday was and, – and, man, I love this team, and I've always loved this team. I will always love this team. But there's a certain level of uh, callus that's been built up in my fandom that has kept me from really feeling the sting of defeat for a long time now. And yesterday was the first time that punched through that and really got to me since probably game 162 in 2014 when Lloyd came out to get Felix when it was clear they weren't going to make the playoffs. And um, that sucks. But for me, it's a gift to be able to feel that again, that this team has gotten us here. And and like, look, you don't want to paint like it sucked. It's awful. I hope they win tomorrow. I hope they win the series, go to the ALCS. It's important to contextualize that in the sense that this is everything that we've ever asked for as Mariner fans. The fact that we get to be here and even be sad in the ALDS is a gift. And I just can't wait to see Castillo go tomorrow. I think it's going to be really, really fun. Chris? Yeah, same. And look, as much as I just poo-pooed it, um, you saw that this team could beat anybody. You saw that this team has the talent to beat absolutely any Major League Baseball team. By the way, Jared Kelnick, I think, played the best game of his Major League career yesterday. That was extremely encouraging. That tag up from first base was massive for a game. Oh, I don't even want to think about the game right now. It, it, but it was huge. It, and, you know, this stinks, but you've got one of the very best pitchers in baseball going. You win that game, go win two home games, end this series, go to the ALCS. It's all still in front of you, but you are absolutely okay with being sad about yesterday. And you should be sad, and you should be mad, and you should you should have all mm-hmm. those emotions as a Mariners fan because guess what? You're in the postseason. Right? Amen. I mean, that's that's yep. what it is. So, all right, fellas. Um, yeah, let's just uh, if they get if they get to late in the game tomorrow with a lead, we can white knuckle <laughs> it again with the bullpen. And who would have yeah. thought that would be the case in the postseason? But I think Nathan, you made a great point. It's been kind of coming. It's been trending that way, and we'll see how the late uh, late inning usage goes down the stretch. Uh, Simply Seattle, simplyseattle.com. Big thanks to Jamie and Joe. They got all kinds of great Mariner gear. Uh, I like the uh, the Dave Sims uh, shirt. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Although yep. they may be printing up the one today of, <laughs> oh, brother, oh, no, oh, brother, oh, no, oh, Simsy. oh, no, oh, brother. Um, all right. Uh, oh, boy. Actually, that ball, that ball didn't even, that took so, it would have been, oh, and that would have been it. Because the ball yeah, hasn't come down yet. It's still in orbit. Fellas, thank you so much. Uh, we'll keep the positive vibes going. We're going to talk to Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus next. We'll talk about the Seahawk defense. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> how how is the highest paid player on the game on the team uh, Puna Ford doing these days? How about Jordan Brooks and Cody Martin? Fun times. I uh, will maybe touch it on Gino as well because he's pretty good. All that kind of see Paolo's little pro football focus next ninety three point three KJRFM. Hey, it's Ian Furness for my good friend Dr. Jay Rudd at Aurora LASIK and AuroraLASIK.com. No more readers. How about that? For about 15 years, I've used reading glasses, but no more. I had refractive lens exchange. I can tell you for a fact it's a life-changing and also something I wish I would have done years ago. You need to check it out as well. Go to AuroraLASIK.com. That's AuroraLASIK.com. Dr. J. Rudd, he is absolutely sensational. Get your consultation scheduled. That's AuroraLASIK.com for your refractive lens exchange. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
time to do a deep dive into the numbers and the grades around the NFL with Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus. Our weekly look at PFF.com is brought to you by Cascade Ice and Wired X 344 Energy Drink. Are you looking for a caffeine kick? Try a refreshing locally made 16-ounce can of Cascade Ice Sparkling Water with 160 milligrams of caffeine, no carbs, sugar, or sodium. But if you're looking for more of a kick, grab a locally made can of Wired X 344 Energy Drink loaded with 344 milligrams of caffeine. Now from Pro Football Focus with a look inside the numbers. Here's Steve Palazzolo with Ian Furness. Big thanks. We're good friends at Cascade Ice Sparkling Water. I got 160 milligrams of caffeine, uh, no sugar, no carbs, no sodium. I got one in the fridge right now that I brought in, and hopefully nobody thieves it. Hey, uh, Todd Lothian from Cascade Ice, if you're listening to this, we need some more product, buddy, because it goes quickly here. Even though there's nobody here, nobody works here anymore. I Somehow seen this, it all disappears, though. I see like a sales guy like once in a blue moon, but uh, yeah, it disappears. Steve joins us right now, Pro Football Focus, which we'll get to with football in a second. But I, I want to lean on you. Just I, I just was thinking this in the break, Steve, because you, people don't know Steve's uh, background. He was also a pro baseball player for many years. I believe a pitcher, correct? That's right. Relief pitcher. How hard is it? Let me, let me just ask you this. What kind of a big ask and how how difficult would it be for a guy like Robbie Ray, who's the reigning Cy Young Award winner, has had like one or two relief appearances in his career, certainly not in the high leverage situation he saw yesterday, to all of a sudden, okay, you're going to pitch to Jordan Alvarez with the game on the line. Oh, man, going going from starting to relieving in general is is like a completely different mentality. The year that I had to do that, you you go from, you know, you're, you're, you play every five days, you mentally prepare so you know, four days are training. It's like it's like playing football, really. You're building up to this one day, and then you just you know put you know lay it all out there in one day, and then you just you know build start over again. Whereas a, as a relief pitcher, you have to be into it. At, you're you're an everyday player. You're like a shortstop, basically. You're into it every single day. Your throwing routines are different. Um, just come, it, it, and when you come in to pitch one inning, you can go all out for that one inning. I love that as a relief pitcher. I'm going all out. I might need to pitch again tomorrow, but I know I don't have to pace myself. I know I don't have to go five. I know these days it's five or six, but I don't have to go seven or eight or nine. I could pace myself. It's a completely different mentality from starter to reliever. Yeah, I just can't believe they. I still can't believe they did that. Um, all right, good perspective from a guy that's done it. The um, the I want to start with the CX defense for a second, and maybe I don't know if you can do this and compare and contrast, but a str- there's a striking difference in the level of play this year with Jordan Brooks to a year ago. Jordan Brooks is ranked 54th out of 78 uh, linebackers that are eligible in terms of enough snaps by PFF standards. 54 of 78. I feels like last year he was far better than that. Cody Barton, it gets worse, 68 out of 78 for Cody Barton. And one of the things that we talked about Monday in our show with uh, with one of our analysts, Hugh Millen, he said, you know, last year when you know Brooks played the weak side linebacker and seemed to have a pretty good year and, and could float the ball and do his thing, and then Barton Barton was replaced Bobby Wagner for the last game and a half when Wagner got hurt and played the mic. They flipped those roles this year. It obviously isn't working, and I don't know if that's just the only reason it's not working, but can you compare what those guys were last year to this year? Yeah, so off the top, you know, Brooks, since coming out of Texas Tech, was was a really good run defender. And that was, you know, just by our grading at Texas Tech, it was like, all right, this guy had one of the best run defense grades coming out of college. 
Um, we had questions about him in coverage. I know the Seahawks said, hey, he's athletic. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot or whatever it might have been. So we, we have faith in him. And his grading for us has actually been similar, whereas the, you know, his first two years in the league, really good against the run, both in limited size, sample sizes and then extended period last year. And that's kind of dropped off a little bit, whether it is the position change or whatever it might be um, as far as run defense goes. But I still have faith in him in that area. To me, it's, for Brooks, it's, he, he has struggled in coverage. And in coverage for us, it's this broad term, but there's so much you have to do as a linebacker. We see he, he was probably on the seam route that the, uh, I think it was Taysom threw for a touchdown. Brooks was probably supposed to carry that, get better depth. He be was. In the passing lane there. Yep, yep, he uh, was. Yep. Alvin Kamara in space. Uh, you know, missing a missing a tackle there, and then there's a busted coverage on third and four in the fourth quarter, and you know, in a key down. And I think that was more on Brooks than anyone else. So, um, to me, that's remained consistent. And he's taken a slight step back as far as run defense goes. And then we've talked about Barton a little bit here too, where it's just gap assignments and missing some plays. And it's weird to say like they had a lot of good plays on Sunday. I know they gave up 39 points and got shredded by Taysom Hill, but they also did a good job against Alvin Kamara overall. It's just as the Seahawks defense as a whole, it's a few plays or a few players here and there allowing some of those big plays. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to fl- – we, we talk about Monday. I mean, why not flip-flop them, go back to what they did at the end of last year, that great game against Arizona. Um, but we'll see. Another guy that has, I'm, I'm assuming, has dropped off dramatically because he got paid and there was a reason he got paid. Puna Ford is Seattle's highest-paid player, believe it or not. He's ranked 79th out of 121 defensive linemen. Uh, and And – you know, we watch Puna Ford, and when you do notice him, it's not for anything good. What's his drop-off been? Yeah, so this is this one's harder to explain. I, I think with linebacker play or even secondary play, it, it tends to fluctuate a little bit, and sometimes you're just attacked by the scheme. Defensive linemen are really, really consistent for the most part in our grading system. So Puna Ford went from a guy that graded in the 80s in a small sample size his first year in 2018, but – High 60s, 70s, you know, very good player. There was a reason why he got paid because he had been one of the – he was a solid run defender last year, his pass rushing grade up through the roof. So a guy going from the, you know, 70s basically to the 50s as far as grading goes. So he's definitely taking a step down, and it's harder to explain. You just watch plays. It's like, all right, he's getting moved off the ball far more than he ever did. He used to be that that fire hydrant, you know, low pad level guy that was going to jack up offensive linemen and redirect running backs, and you're just not seeing that nearly as much. You have a play like the other day where he does get caught somewhat in space trying to tack- tackle Taysom Hill, tough ass, but whips on the tackle for the touchdown. So uh, it's it, and he's not he's rushing the passer more in line with where he was early in his career, which is you know slightly below average. I don't, I don't think Puna Ford's ever going to be a great pass rusher, but you expect him to be that guy that's disruptive in the run game, and you're not necessarily seeing that so far this season. Steve Palazzolo brought to you by our good friends at Cascade Ice Water. You're looking for a caffeine kick? Try a refreshing locally made 16-ounce can of Cascade Ice Sparkling Water, 160 milligrams of caffeine, no carbs, sugar, or sodium. But if you're looking for more of a kick, grab a locally made can of Wired X344 Energy Drink loaded with 344 milligrams of caffeine. Better news, Geno Smith. I, who would have who won this bet? Number one out of 36 eligible quarterbacks by PFF standards. Steve, speak on that, please. Yeah, he's been great, man. I mean, Geno Smith, a lot of my concerns coming into the season, uh, you know, he holds the ball a little bit too long, probably took too many sacks early in his career. He's not doing that right now. And we're just seeing different stuff from Geno Smith. Obviously, 
the roll left, the Mahomesian rolling left, you know, dimes that he's throwing. He did not have he did not have those clubs in the back. You know, the last time we saw Geno Smith play, even last year, we were not seeing those types of plays. That's different, and it's been special, man. I mean, he's hitting all the throws underneath, but it, it has gotten better as the season's gone on, and and seeing some of those special plays. So you get that that one on you know rolling to the left to DK. You have that first deep post route to Tyler Lockett, which was awesome. And then the second one was, was just out of this world. I mean, just unbelievable ball location from Geno Smith. So overall, accuracy has been spectacular. And then the, the thing I'm most impressed with is the out-of-structure plays, mm-hmm. the plays late in the down, and, and the plays under pressure. When he's getting hit, when he is uh, with guys in his face, I don't think we saw this level of special from Geno Smith at all in 2013 and 14 and in or 14 and 15 and certainly not, you know, in his limited time last year. So just been super impressed by what Geno's done so far. What do we expect to see on Sunday, whether the game's at 1 Pacific or 2.30 Pacific, depending on our baseball team, if they play or not, they're going to possibly, Steve, move the game for an hour, an hour and a half later. But uh, what, are, what are we going to see in the Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the ball? Oh man, their defense is struggling a little bit. You know, they they don't rush the passer all that well. They've, they they this could be a game I think where you know Geno Smith in the passing game can have a lot of success. Um, and then the offense for Arizona is just not as explosive as it was last year. At, at this time last year, remember they were undefeated and Kyler Murray was in the MVP conversation and he was he was throwing the ball down the field. He had one of the highest big time throw rates. My one of my favorite stats big-time throws, our highest-graded throws, those special passes down the field with great ball location. Tyler Murray has one of the lowest big-time throw rates in the league this year after having, I believe, was the top percentage last year. So you just don't see the Cardinals throwing the ball down the field. They have consistently been five-and-a-half to six-and-a-half yards per attempt every single game. Um, now, it could be a get-right game for Arizona against the Seattle defense, but uh, so far they've been very conservative. And I think they missed DeAndre Hopkins, and they're trying to figure out what their receiving core looks like. So it's an inconsistent offense. It's a defense that, again, they've had their ups and downs, and you know they should have. I think Seattle should have some success moving the ball through the air. That's good news. We needed that good news here today, Steve. We definitely needed that, my friend. Thank you. Uh, maybe maybe some a bright spot this weekend. Uh, tell people about Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. Yeah, PFF.com and PFF Plus, where you can get all of these grades and stats. And, of course, we have a new PFF app, so search the app store, grab the app. And as a former Rainier, I'm rooting for you guys. I didn't know. We'll talk about that next week. I didn't know you played for the Rainiers. Did I know that? I don't think I did. Uh, all right, that's our, good, yeah, that's our good friend, uh, Steve Palazzo, Pro Football Focus. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go, Steve uh, Palazzo. Great stuff. PFF. We love PFF. PFF.com. The Website that all the uh, NFL teams use, all 32 are subscribers to PFF and PFF.com. We'll take a break, come back. Daily Power Play, first one of the year for the regular season of your Seattle Kraken. Gentlemen, we'll uh, hear a quick bite from Dave Tomlinson on what to expect this year next on 93.3 KJRFM. Hey, it's Ian Furness for my good friend, Dr. Jay Rudd at Aurora LASIK and AuroraLASIK.com. No more readers. How about that? For about 15 years, I've used reading glasses, but no more. I had refractive lens exchange. I can tell you for a fact it's a life-changing and also something I wish I would have done years ago. You need to check it out as well. Go to AuroraLASIK.com. That's AuroraLASIK.com. Dr. J. Rudd. He is absolutely sensational. Get your consultation scheduled. That's AuroraLASIK.com for your refractive lens exchange. 
Malkin shoots one in on goal deflection. They score! It's Crosby! In front, Kudra! This is the Daily Power Play. Deep slot, one-timer, McKinnon, he scores! McDavid with a finish! Now, Ian Furness on Sports Radio 93.3. This is the battle of Alberta we've been waiting for! KJR-FM. 12 teams in action tonight in the National Hockey League. It's opening night, year two for your Seattle Kraken, right here on 93.3 KJR-FM, your home for the Kraken. All season long, we've got Kraken hockey tonight. Anders tells me 6.30 pregame, is that right? Yes, sir. I see him out there, Mike Benton. Mike Network. Benton. The man in charge of Network Central is out there. He is on about an 11 right now out of 10. He is just fired up and raring to go. 7 o'clock drop of the puck in Anaheim. Kraken and Ducks, uh, Canucks and Oilers also later tonight. The defending Stanley Cup champions, Colorado, taking on Chicago at home. They'll raise the Stanley Cup banner there in uh, Denver and of course, Kevin Shockey will be there. He'll be a big part of the ceremony, I'm told. So, uh, big, big part. Unveiling him, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and please welcome to Denver, Colorado. Uh, all right. So, we had Dave Tomlinson on yesterday. I realize that maybe a few of you are tuning in today that maybe weren't with us yesterday. There might have been something else to Wait, listen to Wait, was there something else watch. going on? I don't think so, Anders. I really right. don't. But I, I was told there might have been a few people that missed it. Dave Tomlinson, our analyst with uh, Everett and, uh, and Mike on the Kraken Audio Network yesterday. Former NHL player uh, was on with us, and uh, my first question to him is looking ahead, what do we think this team will look like? How much better will they be? How much better, or is this team better than it was a year ago? This team is considerably better than last year. They have more depth. NHL scorers that can finish plays in their lineup. And don't discount the fact that there's guys coming back that know what the system is, know how the coach coaches, know a semblance of what their power play is going to look like. Their special teams were not good last season. And just a first look at how they are so far this year, it just seems like they're all on the same page. Whereas last year, they were on the same page. They were just jumbled all over the place. My expectations, and I want your thought, my expectation for this team is, unlike last year when they were basically out of it around Christmas time, I think this is a team that hangs around, is competitive enough to keep it interesting. Who knows what could happen with other teams? Injuries, attrition, things happen. I don't know if they're a playoff team, Dave, but I think that they're going to compete for a spot uh, through most of this season. I'd agree with that. I look at Edmonton and Calgary in no particular order as being front runners in the Pacific. Then you've got a group of teams that include you know, Vancouver and Vegas, uh, and then nipping at their heels are going to be the Kraken. Anaheim's going to be in there. LA's going to be in there. I think San Jose is going to be near the bottom. Mm-hmm. But the Kraken, they played 26 divisional games last year and only won six of those. That number has to improve if they have any thoughts of being in the conversation past the trade deadline. And I think they'll be in the conversation. I think health is a real big thing for them because. You know, I mentioned the depth that they have, but it drops off when you get into your, you know, 13th and 14th forward and your your 7th and 8th defensemen who are always the, the healthy scratches, we'll call them. So they got to stay healthy. They got to come out of the gate strong, which I think they can. And then it would be fantastic, as I said, that coming trade deadline, you're like, whoa, wait, I don't know if we want to start trading things away here. We're looking pretty good. So you want to have that discussion rather than being, oh, we're sellers. And that's what was the situation as you mentioned, probably middle of January. They've they've got to make up. If I mean, just based on last year, 
they were about, if you want to go in baseball terms, they were about 15 and a half games out of a playoff spot. Seems like a lot. But I think as Dave articulated there, you can probably look and say, listen, if if Jaden Schwartz is healthy, the additions of Barakovsky, Bjorkstrand, Schultz on the back end, maybe a better goaltending situation. I, I don't know. You know, we our, our conversation is podcast, right? We got a podcast out there with Dave. I think Martin Jones will be a benefit to, to Philip Grubauer. And this isn't derogatory towards Chris Drieger, but it was a weird deal. Drieger was signed, you know, drafted in the, in the expansion draft and signed immediately to a big contract. And then they went out and got Grubauer as well. And it was kind of 1-1-A. It was, it was odd. I don't know. Something wasn't right last year in goal. And obviously they changed goaltending coach too. I think you could make a pretty strong argument with Matty Beneers here all year. And he looks sensational. I can see realistically six, seven, eight wins, and then then you're kind of in the then you're in that conversation. Maybe He's competing even until the end. Yeah, the special teams will be better. Dave Lowry's going to help on the power, uh, penalty kill. They'll be better. Uh, Grubauer should give them a couple extra wins if he goes back to at least you know close to his form from two years ago. This should be a better hockey team, more competitive. I, I, I don't I don't doubt that at all. In fact, I think they'll take a nice step up. I want to see Shane Wright on that second line. He's a fourth-line guy right now, but I want to see him on that second line. I, Alex Winberg, you've been there, done that, seen that, don't need to anymore. Go kill penalties and be done. Get the, get, get the kid up there. You're not a Stanley Cup contender right now. Let's go Beneers one, right two in your top two lines. Get him in the top six, and let's go. Let's, let's keep this thing moving. Get him some experience. And, and, and I don't ex- I'm not saying he should be there today. Tomorrow, maybe. Uh, but not today. <laughs> uh, Benton will have pregame 46, 37 o'clock. Drop of the puck from Anaheim. Kraken open up their second season. Their home opener is on Saturday. We'll take a break. Come back. Mike Holmgren joins us next. 93.3 KJRFM. Hey, it's Ian Furness for Aurora LASIK and Dr. J. Rudd. For about 15 years, I have had to use reading glasses for everything. Reading text, looking at my phone, script writing, whatever it was. I had to use reading glasses, but no more. I had refractive lens exchange at Aurora LASIK with Dr. J. Rudd. It's life-changing. I wish I would have done this years ago. You can check it out as well. Go to auroralasik.com. That's auroralasik.com. Dr. J. Rudd and his staff are sensational. No more readers. Get your consultation scheduled today. That's auroralasik.com.